Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Cool. I'm just texting our friends to let them know that our son wants to play board games with them tomorrow. They have no idea what they're in for. Not a damn clue. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cheap Smut. My name is Katie Mizell. And my name is Carl Mizell. And this is a podcast about romance novels and me. Yeah, pretty Sometimes much. Sometimes Carl, too. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm the guy. You know, like the, the, the guy in the chair. Like, you know, Carl's uh, my guy in the chair. I'm the guy in the chair. Yeah. I do all the the stuff. I try Very to make important. It, try to make it sound as professional as I possibly can. And you do a great job. No, thank you. You're so welcome. How are you? I'm good. I'm hot. Yes. Lord, it is so flipping hot right now. Oh, you meant like like that. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I know that as the earth slowly burns to death, mm. it feels a bit <laughs> like, oh, it's 90. And it is. It's 90 degrees here in Michigan today, but it's a special kind of 90 that yes. some of the listeners can relate to. Uh, it's 90 with about the same percentage of humidity. Yeah. Near 100% humidity. Yeah. It feels like you're walking in soup. Yeah. Now, I, I think I mentioned it on the show when we were in Las Vegas recently. I walked four miles. Yes, you did. <laughs> at like 6 p.m. into the setting sun mm-hmm. of Las Vegas. And I would rather do that than make the walk that we made today from the car to the Barnes & Noble oh, yeah. across <laughs> the parking lot. Yeah. I'd rather walk four miles in Las Vegas than 400 feet or whatever not even that it's like 120 feet it's so dumb um but yeah that's uh but that's michigan that's the that's weather for you in general i know that like in arizona right now there's like record-setting heat yeah. there's heat waves all across europe mm-hmm. uh it's not great so let's make a podcast okay while the world burns okay um <laughs> perhaps this is not the best week to listen then if you don't want to hear about the world burning um uh, because we are we are listening or i we are listening because we are reading a book about the end of the world today well for some of you that might actually be the principal turn on for the book maybe so yes we don't we, we we don't know how are you doing how am I? Did I, did I already ask you that? You did. I did. I, it's you so did hot here me. that I it you just hot. said you were hot. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Um, I'm, uh, but I'm otherwise well. I mean, I'm having. I'm having a great week. It's a. It's been a great week. Yeah. And I'm. I'm. I'm glad you cleaned the garage. I did. I cleaned the entire garage. You did. I was very proud of you. And it's. It's so much nicer in there now. Yeah. You can just stand and spin. Yeah. Uh. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're no. here to talk about our asshole cat. Hey, can you get that from him? What does he have? He has a piece of cord from my gun plug that I'm building. The quick break to fix. Yeah, save ourselves a couple thousand dollars. So this isn't a podcast about the apocalypse, but we are talking about a book that is apocalyptic. And uh, as soon as Katie gets her microphone back, that is, yeah, that's not where your microphone is. Is that comfortable for you? Okay. Now it is. All right, good. Uh, what are we uh, reading this week? This week, I read a book called Bloody Sunrise by Gwendolyn Harper. And you have been raving about it. Oh, my God. I can't shut up about this book. Yeah. <laughs> I loved this book. It has been so hard all week to not tell you stuff that's happening in this book. I'm like, <gasps> but I can't. I have to suffer in silence until I can tell you it all at once. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because, that I mean, I get the, the, the conceit of the podcast uh, if you're new, is that I, I know very, very little. I, I might know a title, um, but I don't know details until we record the podcast. Yes. So tell the listeners where they can find this book and for how much they can uh, purchase it. I got this book through Kindle Unlimited. It is also available to purchase on Kindle for $2.99. I didn't search for alternative platforms, but... I have to imagine they exist. I know not everybody likes to buy through Amazon because Amazon's sort of a, you know, evil corp. Yeah. But I'm 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 doing the best I can on a budget here. Yep. <laughs> you know. Um so this book is part 1 of a trilogy. The second book is Blood Moon. The third book I believe is Bloody Midnight. Okay. Or Bloody Sundown. Something like that. Sort, um, sort of like the Richard Linklater before trilogy, but yeah, with, with blood. But and, with and, blood, yes. Yeah. So this is book one. I do want to inform you now 
that it ends on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So um, I will be reading book two probably soon because I need to know what happens. I need to know so bad. Mm-hmm. But um, in the meantime, I would love to tell you part one. Well, let's get after it. Do we have any content warnings? Yes, we have so many content I warnings. I am here much. to traumatize you this week. Okay, Yay. so content warnings. Blood, gore, violence, gun violence, life and death situations, domestic abuse, attempted assault, discussions of past attempted suicide. No one is spared. This book is emotionally emotionally treacherous is what I put in my notes. This book is hard. So a real knee slapper of a... Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it can be because <sighs> the people are... The banter is fantastic. Okay. Um, the... There's a lot of like acerbic wit and dark humor, which makes up for the fact that you're like, holy shit, what did I just read? But this book, I would classify as being in the horror romance genre, which is its own mm-hmm. sort of entity. I've never read a book that is a ho- tr- like a horror romance before, although this is not the f- it, this is a zombie apocalypse romance novel. Okay. It's not the first zombie apocalypse romance novel I've ever read, but the last series I read was a lot less violent mm-hmm. and a lot more like climbing into the mall to try and find some food, you know, mm, yeah. like more survival. Mm-hmm. This is more like gird your loins. Yeah. You got You got to find a mall. You got to find somewhere safe to fuck. Cause I mean, <laughs> this again, it's very important. As I've said on the so show important. several times, I know what show I'm on. Yeah. yeah. There's fucking. Oh yeah. There's absolutely fucking. Okay. Shall we begin? But yes, let's. All right. So our uh, FMC this week is named Caitlin Meadows. She is um, dark haired, mid sized. I mean, they don't really d- ex- explain anybody's bodies that specifically mm-hmm. in this book or their appearance. Uh, but she's very smart. She's very capable. She's snarky. She's kind of rude. Mm-hmm. She's from New York. Oh, okay. If that gives you any. Yeah. and Caitlin is at the start of the book at the airport with her best friend Nicole they are both flying out on the same day and they decided to meet at the airport at a similar time so they could catch up before they got going Caitlin is flying from New York to Atlanta for a layover and then to I believe San Francisco for some kind of conference and Nicole is flying somewhere else I don't know where crazy that you can't get a direct from New York to San Francisco anyway yeah um, she's caught, she's flying on the company dime. Yeah, and maybe fr- they yeah. <laughs> yeah, they took there. the cheaper the, the cheaper ticket. Been there. Yeah, for sure. So she and Nicole grab a coffee and a newspaper to spend their time drinking and chatting before they have to get on their respective planes. They discuss a couple of things. They discuss Caitlin's sort of lackluster romance that she has going on with her boyfriend Nathaniel. They discuss. Where Nicole is going. Nicole is an archaeology PhD. She's smart as a fucking whip. She's awesome. And uh, she's going to a conference to discuss like burials, burial sites, which is super cool. And then they then they discuss the headline of the newspaper that morning, which is that a bunch of mental hospital patients escaped from a testing facility in Atlanta. Mm. Yeah. Not great. That it was the spin that they that is in the newspaper is that these patients were part of a closed study in a closed lab, and they are to be considered dangerous because they have been without care for several days, and so you shouldn't approach them. They they talk about that a little bit, but they basically conclude. I hope this is over fast because those poor people have been without care for so long, mm-hmm. and then they go about their business. Caitlin heads to her flight. She makes it onto her flight and to Atlanta with enough time to like grab a snack. She gets on her plane in Atlanta and a few minutes out from the airport, they have catastrophic engine failure. The engine explodes and the plane crashes. Hmm. Several hours later, she wakes up and she realizes she is the only person who has survived this crash and there are no first responders there is no one on the scene and she nobody's coming it's been hours and hours she's been buried under the rubble she can tell because she flew at 11 and now it's dusk yeah so she climbs her way out takes like she assesses herself i think she has a concussion a sprained ankle and broken ribs that's quite lucky 
Yeah. Considering that she was in a plane crash, but she's still not in good shape. <laughs> considering that you, not unlike Icarus, uh, fell from the sky. Fell from the sky, yeah. but in, it, a, in a metal tube. Yeah. In her case, she fell from in a big metal tube. Yeah. So she decides that she can't stay there, obviously. And so she starts walking towards the nearest light that she can see. She is in rural Georgia. She crashed. They crashed into a field or something. So she sees like glowing in the distance and she starts walking in that direction. And several hours later, she finds a Sitgo. So she goes to go inside the Sitgo. But as soon as she gets to the door, she looks inside. And what does she see? She sees the clerk on the ground with his belly open and someone is eating his intestines. Okay. Okay. Here we go. I am turned on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, nothing, nothing more arousing yep. than a zombie apocalypse. Hell yeah. Right? I, can't, I can't wait to see how people get horny in the middle of this. <laughs> they manage it. They I, always do. You know, I, I, I joke, but this is me we're talking about. I, I would be horny in the middle of <laughs> You would. I know. I, 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 I'm sure that a lot of people would have that like response to like, oh, fuck, the world is ending. We have to screw. Yeah. Like that's, that's the impulse that you have. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing- there's a reason for it. I just don't know what it is. So she sees the clerk being eaten alive. She makes some kind of noise. And the what she thought was a person cannibalizing this other person looks up at her and she realizes, oh, fuck, that's not a person anymore. They're dead. Mm-hmm. That's a zombie. First of all. Don't say the Z word. We don't say the Z word. Um, she calls them geeks. For most of the rest of the book. So we can all call right. them geeks. Okay. First of all, you just survived a plane crash. You walked for several hours with, in your injured body. You made it to a gas station and you saw a zombie. My first thought would be, oh, great. Psychotic break time. Yeah. Not, oh, fuck. Zombie apocalypse time. <laughs> yeah. I would. I would. De- keeps her wits. <laughs> I would definitely think that I was the problem. Oh, for sure. In that situation. For sure. I would not think that the world had completely fallen into chaos just in the time it took me to fall out of the sky. Yeah. And then sleep a while. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'd be like. Sleep, unconscious, same difference. I might. Am I still on the plane? Am I asleep in that plane? Yeah. I got. I gotta be because yeah. there's you no way. Fell I'm... asleep watching reruns of The Walking Dead on your yeah little, exactly um, headrest TV thing because there is no way in hell that I am seeing what I think. What I'm I seeing. what I'm seeing. Yeah. So she has made a noise, gotten this zombie's attention, and it starts coming for her. The zombies in this book are <laughs> they're not slow zombies, but they are normal speed zombies. They can't move much faster than a human could move that mm. then they would be able to move when they were alive well and they don't generally run at all okay okay so that okay that i will accept because i uh, i'm i have always been team slow zombie you think they're terrifying because they're inevitable i think because the because of the inevitability of yeah. it but that said i think that all zombies start out with the potential to be at least as fast as that person was in life mm-hmm there has to be some sort of atrophy, some sort of rigor mortis that p- potentially sets in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that we're getting into like, what about the fake virus that we're completely talking, that's completely made up that we're talking about right yeah. now? Maybe it keeps them fresh. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that said, I will accept average speed zombie. Yeah. There's a few things about the zombies that are peppered throughout this book that I didn't really take time to make notes on. So we'll just talk about them now. They, like I said, they move at about a standard human walking pace. Um, they never, as far as I know, they never run. They skip. <laughs> they frolic. They, they straight up they frolic. F- jauntily frolic. I've seen, they do cartwheels. Yep. Um, no. <laughs> and they eat human flesh, obviously. They are mindless and will attack on sight. And they travel in groups. They generally tend to start in a small group that wanders into a larger group that wanders into a larger group. Yeah. But their entire intention is to form a herd. So, which is why that is when I, I jumped off the walking dead in like season three, but that whole plot line of, they were all at, what's this guy, uh, the guy's house out in the, in mm-hmm. the country. And like every once in a while you'd see, like they would cut a, you know, they would jump over to like the B plot, which was just this growing herd of zombies, herd work, of zombies yeah. wor- working their way towards him. And I, that, that to me is, uh, that is the ultimate representation of death. 
Yeah, <laughs> the wall you, of zombies. You can't outrun it. I it have comes to imagine that at some point, like if it's a rotting corpse, and again, we don't know like if this virus is keeping them intact right. or if like, you know, their bodies have changed post, post-infection. I am a true crime girly, yeah. I guess. And I know, at least in vague terms, how fast a human body starts to decompose, specifically the soft tissue and ligaments. Mm. After just a couple of days, they wouldn't be able to move anymore. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief when it comes to zombies. Yeah. So you just kind of have to go with it. Yeah. But this is very early in the in the apocalypse, so it's fine. Oh, yeah. Well, right now we're talking about just a few days out from the start of the apocalypse. So yeah. all these zombies are still fresh. Yeah. Anyway, so back to, back to our story. Caitlin runs around the back of the building where they have the um, outdoor or not out, like. I thought, <laughs> I thought you were going to say she just starts running around the building. Yeah, just running ah! in circles. <laughs> no, no. Um, they have the um, like. Uh, outdoor access yep. to bathrooms mm-hmm. and she shuts herself inside there's not anything that she can um bar the door with though so she lays down on the ground and she uses her legs to like wedge the door shut and she l- just lays there the zombie attacks the door for lord knows how long until it finally gives up and walks away and when she's sure the coast is clear she just rolls up in a ball and falls asleep on the floor mm-hmm the next morning she double checks there's nobody there so she starts just walking just walking in some direction just trying to find some place to go and she eventually makes her way into a small neighborhood where she is at first held at gunpoint by some people on a porch who just want to make sure that she hasn't been bitten uh before they let her in but then they realize that she's injured they invite her into the house one of them Jeremy the husband is an ICU nurse so he can treat her wounds and the other one Hannah has um, some leftover prescription pain medication from a surgery she had last year so see holding on to those opiates (laughs) I went on this rant during um I I, I can't remember what episode it was oh it was um iced out oh yeah C.E. Ricci uh holding on to your opiates in case you need them during a zombie apocalypse you might break a toe you need that. You need a Vicodin. Just the one. Don't get loopy. You got to keep your brain. <laughs> got to keep your shit tight. Yep. But uh, so they take care of her. They feed her. It looks like basically this entire small neighborhood is all holed up in this house together trying to take care of each other. There's everything from children to near elderly people. There's no elderly people in the house. I remember that much. And while she is recovering, she gets the download on what is happening. So the outbreak started in Atlanta approximately a week before the escaped mental patients headline patients headlines started making news. The lab where they uh, where the outbreak started is a government affiliated lab. So they were trying to keep it all hush hush and clear it up before anybody knew what was going on. The outbreak spread too quickly. So it's the standard zombie rules. You get bit, you turn you start eating people. And this uh, this company is, of course, of course, owned by Deborah from Stepbrother Summer. Yes, exactly. It, like it's said, all her fault. Deborah like said, and Kevin. Like I said, that that their company. This is all set in the Resident Evil universe. This is a Stepbrother Summer crossover. <laughs> Bloody Stepbrother Summer. Sun- <laughs> <laughs> okay, so go- um, go- government affiliated yep. lab. Government affiliated lab. So the the outbreak has spread too quickly. The National Guard was called to quarantine all of Atlanta, but it was too late. So instead, they made the most bullshit choice and decided to contain the situation by shooting all of the airplanes leaving leaving Midway out of the sky. <laughs> what the fuck? That is the... St- <laughs> yeah. But don't... Do, if you think about it for five seconds, that's some shit the U.S. military would do for sure. That's some shit they would do for sure. They would shoot planes out of the sky. All they would have to say is there's an infected on board and some grunt would push a button. <laughs> Tell me they wouldn't. Yeah. And th- and that but that's the thing. They would make a fucking PFC do it. Yeah, exactly. Some, you know, full bird colonel yeah. or four-star general you probably would be making the call instead of, you know, you do it. Yeah. You do. I'm not the guy who's trained to use the drones. You're the guy who's trained to use the drones. You solved this trolley problem, Seriously. fucker. Fucking hell. So anyway, Caitlin then learns that the the plane crash that she was in was orchestrated by the U.S. government. She was intended to die. And yet 
she lives. She lives. Yes. Caitlin, Caitlin Meadows can't be killed. I fucking love her so much. Anyway. Um, so she spends a couple of days in this house, getting healed up, helping mostly to care for the children. She starts tentative friendship with a little boy who reads her comic books about monsters which are called geeks in his books. Mm So he's the one who started calling the zombies geeks and she picked it up from him while she is recuperating and helping to take care of the children. The rest of the able-bodied are all like collecting supplies, preparing to leave town. They don't have an evacuation order. They don't know where to go. Although they have heard chatter of camps um, already being set up that they can go to, but before they have a chance to actually leave, a herd of zombies approaches the neighborhood. They put Caitlin in the basement because she is too injured to assist in the protection effort, but they are fully armed because remember, we are in the American South. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like three guns for every one person <laughs> down there. So they put her in the basement and she gets like a piece of like a shelf off of a wall, like a, you mm-hmm. know, like a board on some L brackets. She gets it and wedges it into the door for a little extra protection. And all she can do is sit there and listen as the entire group is slaughtered. Oh, God. (laughs) I know. And I got so fucking mad because there were little kids in that group. Yes, there were. I can't take it. I can't. Can't do it. Gwendolyn, this book is amazing. It's lovely. Why did you do this to me? Like, I hurt so bad after... That little boy, I knew he was gone. I was like, no, Josh. Anyway, so Caitlin stays in the basement until all of the sound stops several hours later. And a pool of blood has formed. Oh, yeah. Like dripped through the floorboards and she can't take it anymore. So she goes upstairs. She finds the slaughter. It's absolutely horrible. She gathers what she can and she leaves. And she just starts walking. Time jump three weeks later. Caitlin is in a small town in Alabama digging through cars for supplies as she travels on foot. She's eventually going to head north back to New York. She's hoping, but um, she's going in the wrong direction. (laughs) Well, yeah, she's in Alabama, but she gets she gets lost really easy. She says, like, I have no sense of direction. I have no fucking clue. There's no grid. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. So she has taught herself how to Jimmy cars open so that she can dig through them for supplies. And that's what she's doing in this little Alabama town. She goes to go pee. And while she's in the bush with her pants around her ankles, a man approaches her with a shotgun. But he very quickly realizes that she is alive. He was going to just shoot her, but she's alive. Um, And as soon as he realizes it, the bantering begins. And the bantering is what saved me from... (laughs) Just an absolute broken heart. The first thing she says to him is, are you going to shoot me or can I finish? <laughs> She's like, I have to piss. Yeah. <laughs> are you going to shoot me or not? Um, so he lets her finish peeing. And then um, he shoots her. No. Okay. He does not shoot her. This is Jack Booker, known in the rest of the book just as Booker. He is a dark-haired sort of genial, always grinning kind of guy, described as solid as an oak. Mm-hmm. But that's as much description of Jack as you're going to get. He is reliable. He is honorable. And he's a very capable survivalist. He asks her a shit ton of questions. And she answers all of them with just like barely veiled snarky resentment. Mm -hmm. She just doesn't like this guy very much at the start. And when he confronts her for it, she basically says like, well, fucking excuse me for not being chatty with the white guy holding a gun. That's fair. Quick question. Do you think that like imagine there's a survivalist out there like the survivalists who just like one day. Um, these skills are going to come are you in talking handy. Like preppers, yeah, or pre- survivalists? preppers, survival, uh, the preppers. Okay, preppers, preppers. I mean, I, I kind of lump them in. Do you ever think they have like on their deathbed any regrets that like they could have done literally anything else with their time other than prepare for the apocalypse that never came? <laughs> I'm just maybe. Eh, I just you never know. I wonder. Or anyway. maybe they hand it all down to somebody else and they think, oh man, I did such a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> At least now they'll be prepared when the world ends. To my son, I bequeath my 55-gallon drum of mac and cheese. (laughs) Uh, My daughter gets the biscuits and gravy. Yeah. All right. My wife gets the underground bunker. I didn't mean to digress too far. I just that 
popped into my head. That's okay. Um, so she is like Jimmy in cars while she's having this snarky conversation mm-hmm. with Jack. Jack asks her to travel with him. And initially she says no. She just doesn't like him. She thinks that he's cocky. Mm-hmm. Oh, he is I've kind su- of cocky. <laughs> I've survived three weeks in a zombie apocalypse. Me too. Yeah, he is kind of cocky, but in, uh, I think, in kind of an endearing way. Okay. But eh, what what the fuck do I know? They are interrupted during this conversation by four zombies who Jack swiftly kills with a knife, like, just a knife through the eye. Every yep. single one of them just, like, holy shit, how is this guy so good at murdering people kind of yeah. level. <laughs> you did this before the apocalypse, yeah. didn't you? Uh, but before she can ask him about that, a larger horde is seen coming around the corner. So they just, they just start running, not realizing that they are holding hands with each other until they are way further down the road. So cute. <laughs> I, I, I will, if, if there are, if there's shit happening like that, I'll grab any fucking hand. I don't care. Oh, Let, absolutely. Let's Cause I'm, I'm pretty fast. Even for 45, I'm pretty speedy. I'm either I'm dragging you or you're dragging me. I want to be connected to the fastest person out of the two of us. (laughs) Either I'm the fastest one or you're the fastest one. Take me with you. Yeah, absolutely. So they reach a car, which Jack has been driving around, already hot-wired and ready to go, and they speed away, and they agree to start traveling together for safety in numbers, mostly. While they're on the road, Caitlin contemplates how unfair it is that a man so annoying could also be so handsome. And here we go. Uh... Caitlin, I know. <laughs> Wait, what? She said as she looked at her husband, who is both annoying and very handsome. <laughs> You're not that annoying, baby. I was just making a joke. I know. I um, can I, I, I can be, but not that annoying. <laughs> I am that handsome, though. You are that handsome, for sure. So as they drive, they um, sort of ba- banter and bicker in equal measure. They have a very bickery relationship from yeah. here on out, basically. She makes little jabs at him about like being from Texas. Um, I think at one point she basically just implies he's racist because he's a white man from Texas, which I guess. Well, you know. It, you got a 50-50 shot there, right? It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I Maybe I, more, depending on where you're from. Yeah. If, if you're outside of Austin, the yeah, odds go up. Yeah. Um, but Jack just laughs. He laughs every single time she makes a jab at him. He finds her um, ornery sort of mm-hmm. personality to be very endearing he likes he likes her he thinks that she's fun i um, i got to admit that i i do get a kick out of when i like i have friends and i can't think of anybody off the top of my head but like co-workers or something like everybody I has have friends uh, I, <laughs> I just met I, I can't think of anybody in particular but the i like it when grumpy people like me oh yeah that's always nice <laughs> because you feel special i've like, touched like, their cold dead heart in some way it's like when uh, you pet a cat and somebody goes, oh, wow, they don't normally like people. Exactly. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So after the um, initial bickering is over about where they're going and what they're doing and how long it'll take to get there and anything else, Caitlin asks Booker how he's so good at taking zombies out. And it's because he's a former Marine. Mm-hmm. But he seems to have a very sour relationship with the military as of this scene like it's you can tell in the dialogue he's like you know, yeah i used to be a marine but i'm not anymore um so they strategize they decide that they are going to go no they are going to go north but first they're going to go west to nearby suburbs where they can search for supplies i'm glad you said nearby suburbs and not arizona like you're getting further from arizona <laughs> Yeah, they're in Alabama. Yeah. I think they spend most of this book in Alabama and Mississippi. First, we're going to go west to California. Then we'll go back to New York. Yeah. Then we'll go north to Washington. Then we'll go <laughs> up to Alaska, over to Russia. We're taking the long way around, yeah, is what I'm no saying. shit. Scenic route. <laughs> they eventually run out of gas, um, and they have to walk to a nearby strip mall to hopefully find a car to siphon gas from and get some supplies. They talk as they walk. I love a good talk and walk. Um, so they talk about their relationship statuses. Jack is single. Kate. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, he was single before the apocalypse, okay. too. Caitlin doesn't know what's going on. She had a boyfriend, but he it wasn't like a great relationship. She'd been, they'd been together for six months, and she was sort of like, I'm not really so sure. Okay. Um, it's complicated. 
then they talk about like their relationship philosophies. So Caitlin is very pragmatic. She's like, I you can't just marry somebody. You got to know who they vote for. You know what they sleep like, what they keep the fridge like, if they keep their sink clean. Like you have to know all these little things about a person before you decide to spend your life with them. And Jack is a romantic. He thinks that all that really matters is love and devotion and trust and you can work on anything else. And he believes that because his parents had a very strong relationship. Mm. Whereas Caitlin comes from a broken home and had uh, an abusive stepfather following that. So she doesn't trust people. That's fair. Once they reach the strip mall, they find a tiny grocery there where the back room has not been touched at all. So they stock up on food. They get like jerky and peanut butter and Gatorades and candy bars, you know, the kind of things you can get at a convenience store. Mm -hmm. But before they have a chance to get gas, a convoy of Humvees drives up. There are like a few zombies scattered around. So they, they shoot all of the military guys inside these Humvees, shoot all of the zombies and booker is like go we have to leave right now because then they firebomb the strip mall Mm -hmm. they completely destroy it they manage to get to safety booker like shields her from the blast with his body on the way back to the car after the military guys have left booker tells her why that happened basically so the government evacuation camps are called arc camps as in noah's ark Mm -hmm. got overrun really quickly they got out of hand there wasn't enough food there wasn't enough beds etc eventually they shut the gates and somebody in a position of power somewhere in the government concluded that the best way to control the virus was population control so anything outside of the gates living or dead gets killed on site oh yeah yep and they are destroying any place that could be useful to survivors so Anywhere that could be shelter, anywhere that has food, anywhere that has supplies, they're burning it all down. And when they get back to their car, they find that they have also burned their car. (laughs) Now, I do appreciate that they're taking a more scalpel-like approach in this book as opposed to in Resident Evil uh, where they nuke, they just nuke Raccoon City, like in the the mainline games. I think between the first and second game, they nuke. Oh, damn. Raccoon City. So shooting planes out of the sky, sending boots on the ground, much more precise. I appreciate that because nuking a town and then creating nuclear winter for hundreds of miles around that town seems like like a bad yeah bad idea. irradiating water supplies yeah you know <laughs> ruining fucking crops up ecosystems <laughs> crops yep yeah it's i guess slightly better that the military is only just killing its own citizens uh <laughs> one by one i'm not saying this is great no it's all bad but uh it's not nuclear winter no it's okay fine it's not nuclear winter so this all this all just solidifies in caitlin's mind that the zombies are not the problem it's the people whoever's left are the problem mm-hmm. thankfully the military is very spread out and very thin at this point so while they will be a continued threat there aren't a lot of them mm-hmm. just from a practical standpoint there are roughly four hundred thousand soldiers in the united states at any one time so, and if you're talking about reservists as well, they're not concentrated on posts like your active duty, big, big army, big, mm-hmm. you know, big Marine. Uh, so yeah, this is, this is not great. No, <laughs> no, it's really not. They decide that they um, are going to sleep in like a little shack. They passed the further up the road. They go to sleep that night after some like arguments about sleeping arrangements because Booker's too close. And even after the zombie apocalypse starts, men are still the number one threat to women. Yeah. So he, A, assures her he would never do that. And she's like, yeah, I know, I know, but I have to keep myself safe. Trust but verify. So he scooches over, gives her a little more room. In the middle of the night, she wakes up from a nightmare and Booker is there. He's awake. He doesn't sleep much. He only sleeps like two or three hours a day, they Mm. say in the book. And uh, he's there to help calm her down. And she asks if he will sing her to sleep. So he sings some Willie Nelson (laughs) to help her go back to sleep. (laughs) But he can't. But he can't. He's he can't just the, sing. He's just the most tone deaf, atonal. <laughs> You're always on my mind. <laughs> you know what? Never mind. I'm gonna go feed myself to a zombie. Yeah, <laughs> it's been real. Bye. 
<laughs> that was awful. <laughs> I would rather be dead than have you sing to me again. No, I'm going to uh, go be that zombie's chew toy. Goodbye. So the reason she asked him to sing is because um, her coping mechanism for waking up from nightmares, which is a thing that's been happening for a long time because she has... I'm going to say PTSD from an abusive stepfather yeah. is to hum herself back to sleep. So while he's singing, he can't hear her humming, mm-hmm. which is just ugh, my heart is just broken. This entire book was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, uh, they find they try to find places to get supplies. They start walking towards the next town. And the first thing they find is a town fully fenced in, but full of zombies there's no people left in it. Okay. They guess that they put the fence up as fast as they could, but they're, the infected were already inside. Mm-hmm. And eventually it just became a big zombie zoo. Unfortunate, <laughs> but true. Um, they find entire suburbs raised to the ground yeah. by the military. Um, stores and gas stations gutted and destroyed. Nothing available of any value for a while. Caitlin teaches jack that night how to um how to make a weighted rope to climb a tree because that's how she's been surviving she's been sleeping high Mm -hmm. they spend the next couple of nights lashing themselves together in the tops of trees to survive eventually they do find some signs of life in the woods um they find like like okay so they find like wire like cans on wires Mm -hmm. And stuff to like make noise yeah. that people have security laid out. Measures. Security measures yeah. that people have laid out to advance warn- warning them of zombies approaching. And they find, eventually they find, a couple, Jeremiah and Constance, and their eight children. They live in a hunting cabin in the woods. They came here specifically to be safe after the outbreak started. Jeremiah invites them to their cabin to stay. And Caitlin is very uncomfortable about all of it. She keeps, he keeps quoting Bible verses. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I, again, I'd rather go. With I'd the zombies. rather go with the zombies. <laughs> yeah. And she can see the signs like the whole family is terrified, but they're not terrified of the zombies. Mm-hmm. They're terrified of Jeremiah. She tells Jack, like, they get to the place and they see it and it's nice, whatever. Um, and she tells him, I don't want to stay here. He Jeremiah, Jeremiah reminds her too much of her stepdad. Um, she's getting like, this is a man who beats his family vibes off of him. Also, before the apocalypse, he was a small town preacher in the South. Not great. He's He is a walking red flag. But Booker argues that they have hot water, they have food, they have beds. After the last couple of very bad days of travel, they need to recuperate. So he eventually convinces her to stay. They shower for the first time since before the outbreak. So fuck, that sounds good, right? Caitlin's been a month without a shower at this point. Oh, my God. They've been, like, washing in creeks and stuff. Um, They have dinner with the family. Jeremiah tells them that they can't sleep in the same room unless they're married. (laughs) Fuck you. Yeah, right? That's the most important thing right now. It's the zombie apocalypse, but you guys can't sin. Yeah, A, fuck you. B, uh, no, you're not (laughs) separating me. Yeah. You're not separating us. Yeah. Uh, But Caitlin, who... Thank God, because I I do not want to know what would happen to this poor woman in this house if Mm -hmm. she was alone. Is like, no, we are married. We're married. And Booker just goes along. The the yes ending is impeccable, my guy. (laughs) He is like, oh, we are on. I know exactly what to do. And they make make up this whole story about their wedding and his mother-in-law and like... Um, how Ka- they, they're not wearing their wedding rings because Caitlin took them to the jeweler a few days before an outbreak and they didn't get them back before. Like they make up this whole thing and they convince the whole family. Great job, guys. Really, really proud of you. So they go to bed that night, but Caitlin is still really unhappy about being here. Like she real she recognizes like Constance is a little jumpy and a little too quick to do her chores. And every single person in this house is armed, including the children, mm. the little children. There's like a little girl. She's like eight. She's got a little bandolier and everything. Seriously. Who hands a little eight-year-old girl a gun? Anyway, they have, they sleep in an actual bed, which is great. But Caitlin wakes up from a nightmare in the middle of the night again. That time Booker sings her Jolene to get her to go to sleep. The next day, Caitlin insists on spending as much of her time outdoors as possible because she doesn't want to be inside the house. 
she it's it, it freaks her out too much and she insists on helping Constance with all of her chores. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah gets her alone very briefly during this time and he kind of gives her shit about her modern sensibilities and suggests that she read her Bible to be a dainty wife, <laughs> like a like a delicate flower for her God-fearing husband. Yeah, I, I suggest you eat my asshole. Seriously, Jeremiah. I almost barfed. I was like, oh my God. <sighs> it's 2023. Why are we still doing this? Caitlin leaves him leaves Jeremiah as fast as she can and goes to find Booker because Booker is now her safe place and she tells him that she wants to leave she wants to leave so they will leave in the morning that evening though a really bad storm pulls in and they are trapped inside for the next day and a half Mm. Um, they while they have been there helping with chores and doing things for the family. Caitlin has set supplies to the side, like go bags, Mm -hmm. easy to find. And Booker has already charted an exit out of the woods in case they need to leave really fast. But Caitlin is on edge now because she can't be outside of the house. The storm is too bad and everybody's all jumpy. And Jeremiah is really quick to anger he's micromanaging he's condescending he's cruel she can't stand being here much longer she she talks to Constance really briefly about like do you have family is there anyone that you're trying to find and Constance says I have a sister she lives like an hour to the east but we decided to come here we did not decide no. shit because <laughs> um, it was safer for the kids yeah and Caitlin that's just like a big like that's that's just a big blaring red flag like separating from family not caring about you or your loved ones like yeah okay this guy's a he's a terrible dude that night in the middle of the night she wakes up in a full-blown panic attack and it is unpleasant it was she Gwendolyn great job though because I've had panic attacks and it felt just like one (laughs) you did a good job holy shit and Booker basically like holds her to his body to get her to calm down. And she wakes up as the little spoon in the morning with his dick in her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because even in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, you still get morning wood. You can't help it, man. Um, He wakes up like she finally nudges him away. She's like, Booker, let me go. Your dick is poking me in the butt. And um, he is contrite. He feels terrible about it. But she's she like gently ribs him about it. And she also is like, now I understand why you're so cocky. <laughs> mm-hmm. So hooray. Booker joins the big dick club, I well, guess. Yeah, obviously. Of course. They never talk about it again. Like they don't really say much more than that. But... Uh, wait for the second book. Yeah. <laughs> the storm is still too bad to leave, though. Um, and so they are stuck inside again. And the day finally culminates with Jeremiah cornering her alone in the kitchen. And he goes on this horrible rant where, can you guess exactly? Can you guess exactly? I'm sure you can't guess why he is going to justify his behavior toward her. Toward her? Toward her. Because she's from New York City? Mm -mm. No. um, Doesn't like her clothes? Mm, Sort of. Uh, Okay, then that's really... Because she is so attractive... She, her body causes men to sin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck you. So he is completely justified in his treatment of her Mm. because, because looking at her makes him horny. And so he's going to attack her for it, basically. Like, fuck that guy. Fuck, fuck. You should take that as a compliment. I'm not going on a rant sin. about Christianity today, but I want to. Um, he grabs her by the arm, like he calls her like a, he calls her like a little cunt or something awful. Like he said, he starts Harlot. berating her, mm. and he grabs her by the arm, and she reaches behind herself and just gra- I think she grabs a, a wooden cutting board and starts bashing him over the head with it, like you do, screaming for Booker at the same time. And Booker arrives, gun out. Of course, he will protect Caitlin. At all costs. And he doesn't kill Jeremiah, but you can tell he would have. He would not have cared. He would have dropped that man like a sack of potatoes. Family probably would have been better off. This, yes. Seriously, they would have. This this whole altercation was kind of terrifying. The screaming brought the whole family Mm -hmm. in. And Jeremiah, initially, he's like trying to like manly man himself with 
with Booker like, oh, she's just jumpy. You know, she's just a woman. She's just frightened. It was a misunderstanding. And Booker's like, no, it wasn't. Fuck you. I winked at her and she started beating me with with a wooden cutting board. But eventually Booker leans in and says, I'm not going to shoot you in front of your kids. Your kids don't deserve that. And he hits him with the butt of the gun and him and Caitlin just take off. They grab their supplies that they had already set aside and perfect synchronization. These people don't even need to talk to communicate anymore. They like they communicate in whistles a lot of the mm-hmm. time or just like gesturing and eye contact. Yeah. They grab their bags all the supplies they have grab hands and take Booker's memorized exit out and they are they are done with Jeremiah thank fucking Christ um they walk all day and all night Caitlin refuses to stop she's so angry that she won't stop moving and Booker eventually after like uh, like 12 to 14 hours of nonstop walking he finally convinces her to just say what she needs to say and she turns around and she starts fucking screaming at him and she basically says I told you I told you that I didn't feel safe there and you didn't fucking listen to me because you wanted a hot meal Mm -hmm. and a bed and I had to get attacked before you finally realized how bad it was I kept telling you I wanted to leave and you didn't fucking listen to me and to his credit, he is completely contrite. He's like, yeah, you're right. I didn't listen to you. I, you had more information than I did on a situation I could never possibly understand. And I didn't listen to you. And I'm really sorry. And it's, it's, it's an excellent apology. Booker read that book on apology. Mm-hmm. He, Booker's good at apologizing. And she's like dumbstruck. She, no one's, I'm sure, ever apologized to her. Probably not. Um, she is since the woman was too stunned to speak she (laughs) uh, but they are interrupted by several zombies um coming out of a bush booker talks her through her first kill because he's been training her on how to use a gun up to this point she hasn't done it and they dispatch a total of seven not bad the next morning booker heads out before dawn and returns with a canvas bag jeep loaded down with supplies where did he get this he went to target (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Hell yeah, he went to Target. Uh, Even in the apocalypse, yes, they've got what you need. Target will always have your back. The employees that t- got turned into zombies just kept showing up. Seriously. Restocking the shelves. Red polos and all. Yeah. Hides uh, the blood. <laughs> yeah. Is it Deadpool says? So the bad guys can't see me yeah. bleed? Yep. Yeah. So to do this, he went into one of the fenced off towns that they found along the way. So he put himself in grave danger for this, but he told he tells her it's because he's never going to make her... He's never going to put her in a situation where she is unsafe ever again. They're never going to have to rely on anyone else for shelter ever again because now they have this Jeep. They travel for several days in their new home on wheels. They can off-road now in their Jeep, which is great because all of the roads are congested with abandoned cars. And then one night, fucking finally, the penny drops and Caitlin kisses Booker and I'm talking, we went from zero to 150 on the smut scale so fucking fast because like five minutes later, she was riding his face. I was going to say like the roadhead or no. (laughs) They were parked for the night. Oh, okay. Um, So he pulls her up onto his face and he doesn't let her go until she's come three times. And I was like, good for you, Booker. Good for you. Um, And he thinks that's going to be the end of it for the night. But she's like, no, fuck me immediately. So then they have just like the Jeep rockinist, most cathartic it's the end of the world and everything is awful sex yeah and it's great absolutely fantastic um until they fall asleep the next morning caitlin wakes up and finds that booker is not there he is bathing in a nearby creek so she goes to join him and they have a more gentle more tender mostly because she's a little sore yeah um sex uh, in the shallow water on of the creek and then he like washes her hair and helps take care of her and they get themselves already and packed up and back in the car and back on their journey north. They are officially headed north. Finally. And they are in Mississippi at this point. Oh. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um, while scavenging supplies from abandoned cars, they are caught by a herd of zombies, but they climb up onto the top of a semi, mm-hmm. a semi trailer. And from their vantage point, they can see someone swinging a crowbar underneath a minivan trying to keep themselves safe from these zombies. Uh, So Booker gets out his rifle and 
shoots. I think there's like six or seven in total from around the van. Mm -hmm. The woman crawls out from underneath the van and it's Nicole, (laughs) Caitlin's friend from the first chapter. And then she hops on Booker's face. (laughs) No. I, no. Well, it happened. Caitlin and Booker happened so fast. I wouldn't have been fucking surprised. No. No. I mean, obviously they have history. They do have history. But still. And Kate, well, okay. So Nicole is married. First of all, she would never. Okay. Fair. But also, I don't think I've ever. I don't think I've ever read a book with two women and one man. <laughs> no. I'm sure they exist. Oh, they I got just to. haven't read it. Maybe Tentacles and Teeth by Rome. No, anyway. <laughs> um. <laughs> Nicole joins them on their journey from that point on. Um, while they're driving, they just discuss sort of the state of the country. It's gone. <laughs> Not there is great. there is no country left anymore. Um, the Ye- entire the entire eastern seaboard was taken down in about a week. Yeah, that makes sense. New York does not exist anymore. No. Nicole tells the story of how she was on a bus that was going to an art camp that got ambushed by military exterminators, and she only managed to survive by like hiding under the bodies of the dead mm. until she could run away. So it's bad. Later on, after they reach wherever they're stopped for the night, Caitlin confronts Booker about his ob- very obvious, like he's very taciturn. He's not his normal jovial self. And she's trying to figure out why. And he tells her it's because he was out of the military. By the time the outbreak started, he was working in private security and he was working in private security at the lab where this all started. Oh, dun, 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 dun. dun. And initially when the outbreak happened, they were told to contain it in the lab and kill everyone in the lab. And he only had to kill zombies at that point. So he was cool with it. And then he was put on art camp bus duty. And while they were loading people onto the buses, one of the brass came up and was like, um, we are to consider anyone in Atlanta infected. Everyone is is shoot on site. And he couldn't do it. He just abandoned post immediately mm. and ran um, as fast as he could and as far as he could. And he thinks of himself now as a coward who could have said something who could have done something, but they no. would have just shot him too. Exactly. First of all, this gets into a whole sort of gray area of lawful and unlawful orders, and that's an unlawful order. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that wait, we're, wait, we're talking, talking about, about a... private security. It's not an unlawful order necessarily, as that's it would be true. in the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm t- I, I, you know what? You're right. I, I'm conflating that, but still, you're right. I, irrespective of that... The minute he says no, they just shoot him. Yes. Congrats. Now you're yeah, infected. Now you're, now you're dead. Yeah. We're in Atlanta too, fuckface. Yeah. You know, are we infected? Oh, no. They're infected. Oh. Oh, oh so yeah. it's like that. Yeah. Okay. All these, all these fuckers with the guns, they all have guaranteed placement at a camp. Everybody else, they're just killing. Yeah. Men, women, and children alike. Indiscriminate killing. It's awful. So he left. Like I said, he considers himself a coward. He considers that he could have done something to save those people. He could not have. Caitlin is very quick to point that out. He could not have. He says two days before he met Caitlin, he decided he couldn't take it anymore, and he tried to take his own life. Mm-hmm. But the revolver jammed. How? <laughs> He's not sure, so he thinks it's divine intervention. Two days later, he finds Caitlin, and he has decided that she is his, she is his redemption. He considers Caitlin to be his redemption. Taking care of her and keeping her safe is his only goal in life now. And and having sex with her. And having sex with her, yes, also. Um, but he wouldn't have if she hadn't started it. That's fair. Um, she holds him. He cries. It's very cathartic. They decide that they will carry their burdens together. They are together. They're in this forever. They are such a cohesive unit. All that trauma really bonded them together. Um, the next day, they find a rural farmhouse surrounded by flat farmland. So they fortify it. They find it loaded with canned goods and supplies. Whoever was in it left quickly. They have a meal. They bathe. Um, Book- Booker and Caitlin shower together with a particular emphasis on Booker reverently shaving Caitlin's legs, which is somehow foreplay. And I was a little like, please don't go there. Please don't, please don't shave my leg. I don't want you to shave my, please don't shave my legs. Although in the zombie apocalypse, I would have long ago given up on basic grooming. Yeah. I would have the best pits (laughs) best in bed after the shower. Caitlin gives an absolutely Italian hand gesture blowjob 
Good for her. Oh, she does her best work. She's all gumption and she swallows. So good for Caitlin. Hey. I'm proud of you. A few minutes of like kissing and recovery later, Brooklyn, Booker, Brooklyn. <laughs> hey, that's their, uh, their yeah. portmanteau. Uh, Booker tells Caitlin to take a ride. Take what you want, how you want it. Good boy. Mm-hmm. Good job. Um, so Caitlin goes for the absolute ride of her life. Uh, the chemistry between these two people is impeccable. These scenes are um, so good. There aren't that many in the book, and it's surrounded by trauma, but they are so good. Uh, midway through, she looks down at him. She sees the look on his face, and she realizes that she is in love with him, and she says it. like She just blurts it out. Like I think she even slaps her hand over her mouth. He's just like, oh, my God, what the fuck did I just say? And he's like, no, I love you, too. I definitely love you, too. Um, so they finish. Uh, in all their glory and while they're cuddling afterwards Booker basically says like this is the part where if the world hadn't ended I would ask you to marry me Mm -hmm. and she says well I would have said yes the next morning Booker wakes Caitlin up with head Mm -hmm. and uh, good job good boy and he says that he will do it any morning he can just to keep her happy holy shit the world is ending the fuck (laughs) good for you like I've said I would, but I know you'd you kick would. me in the face because it's too <laughs> well, fucking yeah, it's early. Too fucking early, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, as they get dressed after they're all done, Caitlin points out that uh, in in asking her to marry him, they have basically gotten married because there's no courthouses, so the commitment is yeah. as the commitment will be. So they are forever; they're in this together. But she's not going to change her last name. Fair. And he's like, "Yeah, no, you're not. You're not a Booker anyway. It's fine." Um, <laughs> during breakfast. Booker hurts himself on an exposed nail in the basement while Nicole goes to the Jeep to get first aid supplies. She sees a massive horde of zombies coming up over the horizon and they decide the only thing they can do because they don't have a lot of time is to go down, barricade themselves in the basement and wait it out. And they stay there for like the entire day while this huge horde just shuffles on by hours and hours and hours they say it's like a whole city full of people they're only walking in one direction wherever they're going who knows who knows um but eventually they do pass and um they go back upstairs they eat they go to sleep over the next couple of days they fortify even more they find that they can surround the property with the dead Mm -hmm. with dead zombies because they won't like they kind of hunt by smell, it's, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of like a salt circle. <laughs> they won't go near other dead zombies. Yeah. So they sort of make a perimeter. They fashion these like quick release like door things that go over the doors to keep things shut. They board up all of the windows on the first floor. And they're doing all of this so intently that neither Caitlin or Nicole notice that Booker's cut is getting infected mm-hmm. like really badly until it's super bad he they give him like Tylenol they try to clean it with the the alcohol they can find in the house and stuff like that but the next morning he is really feverish and weak and they know that they are not going to be able to fix this on their own thankfully Nicole's husband is an MD Mm -hmm. and she knows enough about medicine from him to know what medications they would need in order to treat him so Caitlin decides she is going to go to the nearest town loot a drugstore and come back but she's going by herself because Nicole needs to stay there to take care of Booker as much as she can it isn't safe uh, but they don't have another choice she's going on foot because if she doesn't come back they need the jeep yeah at the nearest Walgreens wherever that may be, Caitlin does manage to find everything that she needs. So she finds antibiotics, anti-inflammatories, fever reduction medication, food, all kinds of stuff there. She loads her pack down. And just as she's getting ready to leave, a pair of drug-seeking hicks comes in the back door. Their names are like Earl and Wayne or something. call them Earl and Earl. They're Earls. (laughs) They come in there looking for Oxy. They're looking for anything they can find. And they find her in the back of the pharmacy. And they try to take the medications that she's got because they assume that she's got the good stuff even though it's been long ago looted for sure it was like the first and only thing that was taken was the pain meds right yeah of course she they grab like one of them grabs her from behind while the other one starts going in her pack but caitlin's no fucking pushover so she starts breaking noses and fingers like you do like you do she runs uh but one of them has a tire iron and his uh, throws it at her head so now she's concussed mm-hmm. he grabs her starts dragging her back into the store to do god knows fucking what at that point so she grabs the tire iron and bashes him in the head and kills him 
Damn right you did. Damn right she did. The other hick comes around the corner, sees that she has killed him, blah, 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 gets all upset. Says other Earl! Says he's going to kill her right back for the trouble. But the commotion from the fighting and the screaming has caused the zombies in town to start coming through the broken front windows mm. of this Walgreens. And they don't have a lot of time to start to try and fight each other. So Caitlin grabs the revolver from the front of her bag, decides... Ian Booker always told me I didn't have it in me to kill a human being, and I might not have it in me to take his life, but I sure can do this. Shoot. She shoots him in the kneecap yes. and runs. And that is the end of the book. Cliffhanger. <laughs> Caitlin now has a bleeding head wound, and she has to make her way back before Booker dies of an infection. I just can't believe Holy they didn't. Holy fuck. I can't believe they didn't treat that right away. That seems reckless. What? They didn't treat his wound right away. They, they were going to, but Nicole went to get the first aid kit and oh, then the zombies yeah. came and they spent the entire day in the yeah, basement good instead. Point. Yeah. I, so, I kind of missed that connection. Yeah. So they got too distracted by the whole thing and Booker being Booker just never said anything about it again, even though it was hurting worse. Mm-hmm. He was too busy trying to take care of Caitlin to like say shit. And that's how you get a blood infection book. F- fucking speak up, say something. Yo, this is really starting to hurt me. At least <laughs> then they can get like an alcohol pad and some Neosporin on yeah. it. Shit. See something, say something. Fer- seriously. Hey guys, you see this gaping wound? Yeah. I'm uh, saying something to you right now about it. I'm saying we should deal with this. Yeah. <laughs> if it was a rusty nail, Lord knows he's got fucking tetanus now, too. Oh, yeah. So he's, You know his booster's not up to date. Of course it's not. He hasn't had another booster what? since he left the military. Well, the, the, that depends on when he when he got out. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. The one thing the it's military like, does. The tetanus is, like, tetanus is like a 10-year shot. Yeah. So, they, yeah, they, maybe he still has it. They make sure you get your fucking shots. Seriously. Yes, they do. Remember how many... <laughs> Oh my God! I never, I never want to hear about the shots you had to get in the military ever again. Please, for the love of God, uh, go so Google. So many. No, don't no, do I, it. I was just gonna say, go Google bicillin. No, don't do it. <laughs> this is the second time you've mentioned it on this show. B I S E X U A L. The only important buy we will ever talk about on this show. I'm the important buy on this you show. You are that the we important buy, baby. <laughs> You're the most important buy. Oh, well, that was fantastic. Oh my god, it's uh, so fucking good. That was a wild ride. I'm I am already in I'm deep into reading Ensnared mm-hmm. uh by Tiffany Robert and it's great, but I I want to read Blood Moon so bad. I need to know what's going to happen. I need to know. Now, I will say the one thing like the one thing a romance generally guarantees is a happy ending. Yeah. Either a happy for now or a happy ever after. Those are the guarantees of a romance. So yeah. I know I know Booker and Caitlin are eventually going to be okay. But in the meantime, holy fuck. <laughs> this is going to have to be a happy for now given yeah. the state of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Not, and or it could be happily ever after, which could be tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> tomorrow is ever after you're yeah. done after tomorrow no um i mean i kind of hope they figure out a way to like survive you know i like zombie stories with like encampments of people just doing their best yeah it, often though those encampments are run by megalomaniacal shitbags well that's what i was gonna say i i i've been inspired to write uh something a book a movie uh, where it's a zombie outbreak but the zombies only eat you if you have a net worth over a hundred million dollars oh my god the zombies can smell money and they yeah. just eat the rich they just eat the rich <laughs> yes i'd be shoving them out of doorways yeah. <laughs> and then oh, and then that's the, so funny and then Wait, the humans a hundred thousand hundred million a hundred million thank god i don't want to lose my parents <laughs> hundred million okay my parents are like okay but they live in like a decent suburb in michigan they're not yeah no they're, 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 no they're fine no and then the zombies won't even fuck with it so then everybody like the hoi polloi is just like i'm gonna get in line with those fuckers let's go <laughs> <laughs> let's go kill a billionaire Woo! let's go kill a billionaire yay uh no for real though it's um it's this was an intense read it was wonderful and you've been in a wildly good mood considering i have been maybe it's the new medication i'm on but it's so it's so tight it's so like 
there's no wasted energy. It's just boom, 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 boom. Shit keeps happening. And you're just like, hold, like, hold on tight because yeah. <laughs> we're not done yet, guys. Holy shit. Yeah. Never, ever ends. It's it's wild, but it's also wonderful. And there's a beautiful love story that's built in the middle of all that. Caitlin and Booker have an incredible relationship. And it's all built on extreme mutual trust in a terrible situation, which is a great way to build that in a book. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. It's so good. You can find us on social media. We are on TikTok and Instagram at Cheap Smut. And I promise we're trying to get better at that. If you want to send us an email, you can do so. CheapSmutPod at gmail.com. The music you hear in this and every episode is Nostalgia by Makai Beats. You can find it along with thousands of other songs free of charge for you to use at the Free Music Archive, which is freemusicarchive.org. Next week, we are reading Ensnared by Tiffany Robert, the first in the Spider's Bride trilogy, I believe. <laughs> and I'm very excited about that. Oh, yeah, honey. I'm not. Oh, yeah. Gird your loins. Mm. It's going to be intense. My loins are <laughs> so ungirded. <laughs> well, you've got a week to prepare. All right. In the meantime, listener, if there is a book in you, write it. And if there's fucking in it, I'll read it. And then she will come on this show and explain it to me for your entertainment. Now it's my bedtime. Goodbye. Bye-bye.